Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. My name is Brett Craig, and here's my story. I'm a former chief creative officer that worked at two of the biggest ad agencies on the West Coast for some of the most famous brands in the world. About two years ago, I was canceled for a five-year-old casting email that someone posted on Instagram. I used some imperfect language. It was taken out of context, and it all happened in the middle of the racial tensions of 2020. The social media mobbing that ensued in the comment section below my email posted on Instagram caused me to lose my job and to be called some rather ugly names that I never thought I'd be called. Suddenly, I went from the top of my career to no career at all, canceled. Even friends that supported me privately wouldn't come near me publicly. I'm a Christian, and I do believe that God is working all things together for my good, but it was quite honestly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But it was also strangely liberating. I woke up to a new world, full of uncertainty, but also full of opportunity. The opportunity to do something in short supply in the corporate world today. Tell the truth. I no longer had to be conflicted promoting ideas I don't agree with. And in these times of deceit, I counted a privilege to be able to speak honestly. That's what the AdWoke podcast is all about. I'm going to give it to you straight. We're going to occasionally laugh, and I'm going to say the things you're not allowed to say. Not because I just want to be provocative, although the truth is often provocative, but because I believe the truth will set you free. All right, welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. This week, I want to take on something a little sensitive uh, known as the fat acceptance movement. And in particular, kind of my neck of the woods, how brands are jumping onto the fat acceptance bandwagon. And I came across some ads and some articles that are frankly shocking. They came across uh, in my Twitter feed. And some of these things have been around for a while, but, you know, I've been meaning to kind of focus on them. Well, now I will. Uh, But before we get into that, first a word from our sponsor, Martha's Little Taste of Venezuela. And I am just so excited about this new sponsor just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, Martha's Little Taste of Venezuela. Now, you may not know it, but Martha's Vineyard, yes, that Martha's Vineyard where the Obamas own a little vacay home worth $12 million on the beach, right by that rising tide line thanks to global warming. Yes, that rich island enclave, which is 89% white, now has an excellent new Venezuelan restaurant known as Martha's Little Taste of Venezuela. That's right. They opened like just like yesterday, thanks to a certain governor from Florida who shall remain nameless, who graciously sent two plane loads of Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Now, uh, this very lily-white progressive population of Martha's Vineyard can finally experience more diversity and inclusion, even in their diet when they go out to dinner. Diverse dishes like zesty plantains and delicious arepas filled with cheese, rice, pork, and eggs. And how about semendocas, the delicious donut of Venezuela? It's enough to make you want to become a communist and head to Venezuela, but you don't have to, actually, because you can just go to Martha's Vineyard. It's already filled with progressive communists of the limousine variety. Martha's Little Taste of Venezuela offers incredible cuisine and its new employees will finally bring that much coveted diversity to the island because why should Texas and Florida and other border states keep all that diversity and inclusion to themselves? Don't miss Martha's Little Taste of Venezuela on Martha's Vineyard, the deliciously diverse flavors of Venezuela now available on Martha's Vineyard. Amazing. That is exciting, exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Now, I am sure that you have noticed, like I have noticed, that suddenly our culture seems to be celebrating morbid obesity. And I say like in billboards and magazine covers and 
Uh, it's kind of crazy to see. And, and I say morbid obesity because this new trend is not at all about body positivity. And I think it's important that we make a distinction. And I always want to be fair. I think this body positivity trend, which is very different than celebrating morbid obesity, I think body positivity has positive aspects to it for sure. When I think of body positivity and I think about it in terms of brands that have kind of leaned into that, I think of the work that Dove did and I think about their Dove Real Beauty campaign, which I think at the time, uh, was probably started over a decade ago, but they've been going with it for quite a long time. I think it was breakthrough work Uh, And really, this campaign from Dove was just essentially about celebrating women that may not fit that sort of rail, skinny, Giselle quintessential figure that for most of my life has been considered some sort of ideal for American women. Uh, And as a side note, uh, I think that ideal is largely unattainable. And frankly, it's not even that desirable to men. I know we're not supposed to care what men think anymore, but I'm just saying, I don't even think men were asking for that look. Uh, What I mean is I don't think that rail skinny look that we see in fashion magazines is necessarily even what men find attractive. It's what the couture runway crowd thinks is attractive, not men necessarily. Not any of the men that I know. In any case, body positivity is about Uh, including and celebrating more body types in advertising and in culture and in general, and that I do think is positive. We'll just say, I think of my own two daughters, and I even just think about how they're very different in terms of their body shapes, but I see the pressure that they already feel to look a certain way, right? And often this pressure doesn't even just come from boys. It comes from other girls. Although the progressives will say it's the patriarchy that has established these beauty constructs that uh, put a lot of pressure on women. Um, But honestly, a lot of the pressure from what I can see comes from other women. Uh, But, you know, you're not supposed to say that again. But in any case, I think the body positivity movement overall seems to be a good one. And any movement that would make my own ever-growing man boobs as I enter my 50s more culturally acceptable, I'm all for it. But seriously, what I want to talk about today is not the celebration of body positivity, which is about celebrating more body types, which is overall positive, as I said, but instead our sudden urge to celebrate morbid obesity as a culture. And I want to focus on how marketers have decided to profit off it. Now, I saw a post on Reddit that I think summed up this metamorphosis quite well, from celebrating body positivity to celebrating morbid obesity which has sort of subtly occurred or not so subtly occurred in our culture. And so the author said this on Reddit in this post. I thought it summed it up well. Of the many identity politics movements out there, one of the most controversial is the fat acceptance movement. Initially taking language from the larger body positivity movement, it's felt by many that it has commandeered the entire activist space. What was initially meant to be a broad alliance to seek equality for issues out of one's control, such as limb loss, uh, limb loss, blindness, horrific burns, and other such maladies, has become an almost entirely focused on pushing for representation and normalization of obesity. And indeed, this is what is happening. I think that anonymous poster on Reddit uh, said it very well. We've moved from a healthy idea of body positivity to a very unhealthy idea, which is fat acceptance, and it's not happening for nothing. And so I talk so much about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And and really what DEI teaches people, as I so often say, is to see themselves as victims of some kind of oppression. And what I'm getting to here is why this is happening. So consequently, we kind of end up in a kind of 
Oppression Olympics, where everyone is looking to see how they're oppressed and who's oppressing them, which, according to the DEI experts, that is, of course, the heteronormative white patriarchy, as if you didn't know, meaning white males. Now, you also know, uh, if only by instinct, the more oppression one is under, right, the more intersectional overlapping layers of oppression, uh, the more power one accrues, uh, and the more you move ahead on the new victimhood monopoly board game that we've kind of created through DEI, which is why when you go on LinkedIn, you'll notice that you're seeing this phenomenon of people assuming victim identities. Everyone is a victim of something. Uh, this is why the categories of victimhood are exploding. And the last thing you want to be, just as a side note, in a corporation when you're applying to get into a college or let's say uh, whatever, trying to get into a corporation last thing you want to be is perceived as normative. You know, somebody who's just kind of normal and mentally balanced and doesn't view themselves as a victim because that would indicate that you're not woke and you might even be quote unquote privileged, which is the worst thing you could be viewed as being, which would qualify you to go to the end of the line of opportunity. So in other words, the fat acceptance movement is just the latest victimhood class because ideologies like DEI are teaching people to view themselves as oppressed victims. So now if you're morbidly obese, suddenly your problem is not that you've allowed yourself to become morbidly obese. No, instead you're a victim and you're actually fine, by the way, uh, fat, the fat acceptance movement would say, you're actually fine being severely obese and it's actually society's fault. And we're doing this basically with everything. We're destigmatizing our most destructive proclivities. And, and a real quick digression here. Let, let's face it, morbid obesity is an epidemic. And from what I can see, uh, it's somewhat unique to America. We've got a major obesity problem. We just go to Disneyland and you take a look around. Uh, I've been there plenty of times. We eat poorly. Our food is designed to taste great, but ultimately make us fat and unhealthy, and we have grown lazy as a nation. And, and by the way, lest you think I am judging everyone else, I include myself in this. My weight has yo-yoed all around, uh, even lately, and it's because I love the cartoon package garbage that fills the store shelves at the supermarket. Uh, the truth is, uh, we Americans have become those people kind of in the Wall-E film on the people movers, you know, with the screen jammed in our faces. And all you have to do is simply go anywhere in the world and you realize that this morbid obesity epidemic is a very American phenomenon. Uh, people in other parts of the world don't look like us. But we have a second problem when it comes to the fat acceptance movement, in addition to viewing it as uh, viewing it not as a problem related to a lack of self-control, but as another thing being done to us and oppressive, and that second problem is that we're now actively celebrating morbid obesity. And this is the shocking part. I understand, by the way, being compassionate towards people struggling with their weight. We should do that. I understand being empathetic to the struggle with obesity, but celebrate it the way that brands are celebrating it now. That's destructive. And I want to delve a little deeper into why this is so destructive with an example I came across. Now, uh, this was a company uh, that I saw on Twitter and they, they exist. Uh, you can go check them out. And it's actually in the show notes. They're called Super Fit Hero, which is based out of Los Angeles. It's a maker of sports apparel, as in like 7X size sports apparel. Uh, and here's their belief statement. I pulled it right off their website. This is what they say they believe. So Superfit Heroes belief statement. We believe 
that a life well-lived is one that celebrates your body as it is right now, today, no matter your shape or size. Whether you're lounging, running, hiking, or swimming, there's a super fit for you. Okay, that's sort of their belief statement. And Forbes, uh, Self, Cosmo, and other magazines have covered Superfit Hero and celebrated uh, these extremely obese folks on their cover. Uh, and Forbes, in fact, celebrated the Superfit Hero brand in an article fairly recently. But also, there are brands like Calvin Klein that have featured these super overweight spokesmodels in their billboards. Now, Superfit Hero making workout clothes for morbidly obese people is one thing, as in it, someone who happens to be obese, but they want to get in shape. That's great if a company is providing the sportswear to make that possible, but that's not what this appears to be about. According to their own belief statement, uh, again, let's read from Superhero, uh, Superfit Hero's belief statement. So here it is. We believe that a life well-lived is one that celebrates your body as it is right now, today, no matter your shape or size. Now, again, check out my show notes, click on some of the links. Some of the pictures of the spokesmodels would indicate to me that a life well-lived is not going to be possible uh, when you look at these photos. Um, Moving, flying on a plane, just doing basic things like taking a stroll to the mall would be hindered by this level of obesity of some of these super fit hero models that they are showcasing. In the prospects for a long life, well, all the data would suggest that it's not likely for people of this size. It will be hard to, quote, live well or for very long for that matter. And of course, as a society, we used to recognize that obesity was a problem for all these reasons. And in fact, it was somewhat stigmatized on some level, if only in the sense that it's not something to aim for because, again, it's destructive to the person that is morbidly obese. But morbid obesity, as indicated in the name Superfit Hero, is in this case being lionized and sort of celebrated here as normative and, yes, healthy. Um, now, Superfit Hero also has a Twitter feed, and I invite you to take a gander at it, and I link to it in the show notes again, but just put in Superfit Hero into Twitter, uh, and you're going to see their spokesponders are not in the body positivity category for the most part, in my opinion, at least, but instead they are for the most part massively, massively obese, as in the size in which a person is likely going to suffer a myriad of health problems, if not die very early if they remain that way, as in if they get COVID, for instance, they're going to have a major problem with it or any disease for that matter, because we know obesity causes so many complicating problems due to inflammation, type 2 diabetes, depression, problems breathing, infertility, hypertension, and heart disease, etc., etc. I am no doctor, but I can read WebMD, and we know obesity is a killer. And speaking of COVID, if you notice, this new celebration of morbid obesity in America started happening in the culture right in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, even despite the fact that all the science indicated that being obese upped your chances significantly of being hospitalized by COVID. Like 78%, I think, I just saw on a site, uh, of people who had severe COVID symptoms were obese. Uh, So even the CDC affirms the reality of obesity being a major complication, who, frankly, I don't have a high regard for, but still even they say obesity is a major comorbidity Uh, and makes COVID outcomes much worse for many people. And yet here brands are celebrating morbid obesity, as in health brands and health magazines like Shape. 
Now, have these brands really bought into the idea that morbid obesity isn't actually a problem? You know, the very thing that health brands used to exist to combat. Uh, do they suddenly believe that the problem is actually oppression of the morbidly obese? Uh, do these brands really suddenly believe that morbid obesity is actually healthy and that all of science was wrong about being severely obese? Uh, and do they believe that obesity is now awesome? And the only reason why we all don't think so is because being more svelte, shall we say, is just another white Eurocentric cultural construct, you know, just a way of being that is no better or worse than being morbidly obese. Of course, brands don't really believe any of this stupidity. No, they do not. You know why corporations and their ad agencies will embrace the fat acceptance movement? Because they can make a buck off it. Uh, As I always say, corporations are not really for the red party, uh, i.e. the Republicans, and they're not really for the blue party, i.e. Democrats, per se. They're for the green party, as in the almighty dollar. That's where their loyalty is. And they don't give a rip about anything except for their balance sheet. Whatever they do, they do for profit or to preserve their profits. Companies exist to make money. That's it. That's why all this woke posturing, the DEI blather, the greenwashed environmentalism, and now the embracing of the fat acceptance movement is all so off-putting because it's all so fake. It's all being monetized and then used as virtue signaling smokescreen, just another part of their marketing program that they use to separate you from your money. Now, I want to say I am a free market capitalist because it sounds like I just hate capitalism, which I don't. I still think it's the best system of a bunch of flawed systems, and it certainly beats socialism. But one thing to understand about capitalism, and this has been brought home to me during this woke era in American history, is that capitalism is indeed a shapeshifter. In other words, it has an amazing ability to adapt, and in this case, expand the definition of a desirable waistline, uh, for instance, if it makes them money. And the proof that capitalism is a shapeshifter is that uh, a form of it is even at work in communist China, because even the Chinese Communist Party And think about that, communist, it seems like it would be the enemy of capitalism. But even the Chinese Communist Party understands that the private sector does most things better than government. That said, capitalism is amoral in of itself. I didn't say it was immoral, I said it was amoral. It has no intrinsic moral compass at all. It's Darwinian in the extreme. Uh, Its ability uh, to adapt to various pressures, be they cultural or political, is astounding. Capitalism is able to mutate and adapt beautifully in order to ensure its own survival and continue to generate profit, which is its only goal. Uh, And it'll even adopt values that are antithetical to its own values if it means survival, like embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and hiring and promoting based on gender and race versus merit and hard work. Yes, capitalism is a shapeshifter. As long as it can exchange a service or a good for a profit, it is happy to fill any vacuum, adopt any ideology, uh, reflect any set of values, and it could care less if the exchange is actually good for you. So when capitalism sees a trend like the fat acceptance movement, corporations What do they do? They just adapt to it. After all, they can make money off it. And then they can virtue signal and say they are practicing, quote unquote, inclusion and fighting back against oppressive definitions of what a woman should look like. But ask yourself, do you think fast food companies uh, like the fat acceptance movement? Of course they do. 
They would love it if you bought the lie that being morbidly obese is now perfectly acceptable and awesome because it's awesome for their bottom line, just not your waistline. Again, for the most part, corporations don't care how they make a buck. For instance, they're happy to sell you pornography, tobacco, weed, alcohol, and gender-affirming surgeries so long as they can make a buck. They're all about it, and if their dollar comes at the price of your destruction, so be it. This exchange is just fine with them because they are amoral entities. As I keep saying, they don't possess a moral compass. After all, that's not to say that all the people in companies and corporations don't have a moral compass, but it's simply to say that corporate actions are largely motivated and incentivized by profit. And now, thanks to neo-Marxist ideology that has been uh, infiltrating itself into all corporations uh, via diversity, equity, inclusion, corporations now see an opportunity to turn every vice into a virtue, like, say, gluttony. They can now pass this vice off as caring about men and women who are obese while they make a buck off them. Winner, winner, fried chicken dinner. And this is one of the problems with our culture, which is dominated by woke progressivism today. Uh, We've accepted a twisted definition of love. And I'm going to connect this point to the fat acceptance movement. But love today, according to the culture, means affirmation. It means whatever you're doing, I affirm it. Why? Because I love you and I'm against hate or something like that. But this isn't love, actually. Love isn't affirming everything about someone else. Uh, In fact, blind affirmation of this kind can actually be a form of hatred. Perhaps you're thinking, Brett, what are you talking about? How can affirmation of someone be hatred? And here's how it can be hatred. If a person is doing something that is self-destructive, then to affirm them is certainly not love, right? If you affirm them in that behavior, uh, it is actually helping someone towards their own demise. Uh, So we we have mistaken love today as being affirmation of every single thing someone else does. Uh, We even do self-love this way. I love me even if I'm a reprobate criminal. I love myself. Uh, But real love demands that we don't affirm things as positive that are actually negative and will destroy someone, including ourselves, right? Behaviors that even destroy ourselves. Uh, And that's why I say that blind affirmation where we just affirm everything, is actually kind of a form of hatred uh, because it helps someone towards their destruction. Now, the the left will say uh, it's hate not to affirm every vice, every impulse, every proclivity that someone has, no matter how destructive it is to themselves or society. Uh, Now, just as a side note, as a former chief creative officer, I had as many as 70 to 90 employees working for me at times. And over the years, as I rose up through the ranks of advertising, I often had to deal with creatives with problems. And it could be alcohol problems, temperament problems, drug problems, uh, interpersonal problems. And I found a funny thing would happen. While I hated disciplining creatives and confronting bad behavior, I also discovered something interesting would often happen. Often those employees and I strangely developed a deeper bond even if I had to let someone go. Uh, It's almost like those employees uh, maybe had never been confronted about their behavior uh, by anybody and in a position of authority. And I think they interpreted uh, my uh, confronting them and disciplining them as I think, yes, me actually caring about them, Uh, caring enough about them that I would actually confront them with the problem, caring about their future, caring about their personal development, Uh, and and caring enough about all that that I was willing to have a hard conversation with them. 
Um, there's an, a great proverb that I think is particularly challenging uh, just by the way it's written. But if you aren't familiar with Proverbs, it's a book written by Solomon uh, as a king of Israel, and it said was the wisest person to ever live. And he, he wrote this about disciplining your children. And I swear I'm going to land the plane here uh, and connect it. But Proverbs 19:18, discipline your children, it says, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. One more time, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing willing party to their death. And what does this have to do with the fat acceptance movement? I think it has a lot to do with it. Like the permissive parent who won't confront the bad behavior of their child, our culture has said to the morbidly obese, hey, you're a victim of oppression. And in fact, there's nothing wrong with obesity. You're just a victim of a cultural standard that upholds a definition of healthy that is patriarchal and was constructed merely to oppress you. Uh, And then amoral corporations, not immoral, but amoral corporations have swept in and said, hey, you know what? We can make a buck off this movement and we can cheer you on as you're hastened towards your premature, premature destruction, all the while looking like we're compassionate and inclusive. But really, corporations are just taking every one of the seven deadly sins and turning them into a virtue and then happily selling them to you and monetizing it for a profit. What corporations are doing is akin to telling an alcoholic they are healthy and then they should keep on drinking. And again, that's not love. That's a form of nihilistic hatred. Uh, And you have to understand that the system, and I think this was on display during COVID, right, during the lockdowns and all that, The system very much demonstrated that it hated you. Uh, From gagging your children to demanding your job if you would not inject, to celebrating morbid obesity in the middle of the pandemic, uh, a condition that disproportionately kills the obese, particularly when there's a disease being passed around. Indeed, the culture was giving every indication that its true motivation is destruction of people. Just think about the fact that they left the pot stores and strip joints and liquor stores open, but they closed churches. This culture has become horribly nihilistic. So what is love? What is it actually? It's speaking the truth with compassion, right? Compassion without the truth is often more to do with feeling good about ourselves. Uh, We get to feel compassionate and empathetic when we affirm someone else, even if we know what they're doing is destructive to themselves and other people. Uh, But if we neglect to tell the truth, is that really love? No, it's, it's more about our narcissism, our own desire to appear tolerant. Uh, and in the case of corporations, it's just exploiting others all to make a buck rather than caring about people. Uh, by the way, I can't ask anyone else to affirm every last thing about me. Uh, and if they were forced to, it wouldn't be love at all, just compelled affirmation. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is teaching us that we must affirm every last thing about everyone even blatantly destructive behaviors that are then packaged up as identities. And then we're told these identities are oppressed uh, rather than these are choices and behaviors that are destructive. But we have to reject this lie, not because we wish to shame others, certainly not because as the Apostle Paul said, I am the worst of all sinners. So it's not about shaming other people. Instead, we reject this false definition of love because to truly love others, we must tell the truth with compassion because we want the very best for people and society as a whole. And celebration of things like morbid obesity and corporate profiteering off of morbid obesity, that is not love. 
Thanks for joining the AdWoke podcast. And until next time, remember, you're not crazy. They are.